Rorden, I think we might need some lime spiders <laughs> today. I'm going to go back and check for lime spiders, Tommy. Okay. Preparing for flight mode. Uh, a white lab coat on today, I think. I bought my wizard's leave, Tommy. I'm ready to go. The lime spiders are out the back. We're good, Tom. Let's get the hell out of here. to go here in <laughs> hey, the Millennium Noggin. That was such a smooth <laughs> takeoff. Wasn't it? Wasn't it? Well, there's a little bit of vibration, but it was. I think you're getting very good at that. I might just ring the bell and say, well done for that takeoff. The now, smoothest yet. Now, there was something that I meant to tell you pre-flight. Pre-takeoff. Did we leave something back, with, back on Earth? No, no. I was just going to say, we had a discussion last week before we... Uh, fired up and came on air and I said the thrusters, yep. we've just got to watch our, our Peter Piper pick their peppers uh, yeah. and, and having said that you really voluminous you punched them out so well mm. Uh, mm. last episode so uh, oh did I <laughs> oh yeah yeah right <laughs> yeah. Piper pick the pepper. it was quite funny yeah look but um here we are today. We're in the Millennium Noggin. We're just going to mm. circle. We're just going to float and uh, mm. and do a few uh, orbits around mm. uh, planet Earth and then maybe duck off to uh, Zeta Reticulum. Um, <laughs> the Reticulum. <laughs> That's part of a muscle structure, I think. The sarcoplasmic rectilium. We might we might delve balls deep into that rectilium today, Tommy. <laughs> sarcoplasmic rectilium, of course. That sounds great. Mm. Um, but today is all about setting the stage for mm. the Vectors of Sports Performance seminar series, which we yeah. have. Have this month, like mm. it's actually happening. So there's a little but bit next of weekend. Curtisol aboard uh, yeah. aboard the ship. Hugely successful well. uh, seminar series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. yeah. Look, we think it's going to happen. If a few of you book tickets, we'll, we'll fly the Millennium Noggin and uh, teleport ourselves down for the day. Mm. So at this stage, we're going to be Melbourne. <laughs> no, we're going. Tom. We're going. We're, we're going. going. Well, you're already going to be down there. Broads is already going to be down there. So. You might will come down oh, as well. Because you down. love a, a flight down for the day, yeah, hustle yeah. and bustle. So we're a co-presenting mm. slash not really doing much at all. We're guiding. Mm. We're co-guiders. Well, like a missile guidance system. And, and, and Brods is the missile. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to launch him and just, just make sure he stays on track. And, I like and, that. And doesn't explode where he shouldn't explode. That's a good analogy. So mm. Melbourne, Friday the 15th of March. Uh, At Carlton Baths, I think. Baths. <laughs> Carlton Baths. You yeah. know what I mean. So if you'd like to have a swim in the lunch break, I'm sure that can be arranged <laughs> yes. as well. And then Sydney the following Friday, March the 22nd, 2019. Mm, mm, mm. Really that. And where's that, that studio blueprint, I think, in, yeah. in Sydney out at Surrey, Surrey Hills? I heard it's a really... Uh, colleague, shout out to Rains, Rainier, um, guy I'm prepping, classic physique athlete, prepping for nationals. He mm. said it's his uh, friend's... Um, uh, that's his place, and he said it's awesome. Really yeah. good venue. So. Looks really cool. Now, Food what we thought. do like to do with these seminars, Rawdon, is uh, also just 
whet the appetite mm. to a certain extent. Mm. Get a little bit of that foreplay going. A little bit of like moisture. A little bit of moisture downstairs. A little bit of moisture. Between the Stickiness in the underderps. Yeah. And we've recorded some pre-seminar material with mm. Broads, as we always mm. do. Mm. What we'll do on this episode is we'll play a section of that. Mm. And the section that we're going to focus on today is basically Broads going through the structure of a human being. Mm. We look at the skeletomuscular system. You got that right. We look at the nervous system. Mm. And we look at the endocrine system. And the lime spine. Um, and we spend a fair bit of time focusing mm. on muscle structure yes. and the structure of a muscle yes. cell yes. and what happens when a, a muscle cell is damaged and Training. all the enzymatic machinery that goes on thereafter mm. to repair and bring the body back to baseline. Some really cool analogies, so they're going to love that. So we've got that coming up in just one moment, that section of broads. Mm. And if you do come to the seminar, you'll mm. get access to the complete pre-seminar material stuff mm. you'll get access to the seminar on the day and then you'll have access to the finished product oh. that we package up and the, what's and that thousand dollars for the day tom my early bird prices are 150 dollars one hunch fitty hunch fitty hunch fitty and not a hunch fitty cent a hunch fitty now so. evil 50 capitals evil 50 for the for the listeners in melbourne because early bird has finished but if you do that you'll get the uh, early bird price for 150 yeah so um for our listeners and you're in melbourne that's your that's your ticket there so to go to to get the tickets you go to evilgeniusworldwide.com and all the information It'll is very there. clearly laid out there right Sabido. Sabido. they're actually on board so yep. they're in sydney i'm um, twisting his arm i actually i'll tell you because you don't know so we'll do it on air because yeah, it's yeah, you know, raw yeah uh he's going to try and uh, make it down to melbourne for the arnold's he can sort of two birds with one stone that type of thing so mm-hmm. he, he, he Potentially will come down for Melbourne. He's setting up a new warehouse. Got like a little Subido uh, factory now. So oh, where he's nice. going to store and he pallets and all that type of stuff. So he is in the process of expanding Subido. Um, if he can make it happen, he will be down to Melbourne. Uh, either way, we'll have uh, Subido uh, samples there and uh, all, his, all the details for Subido um, at, the, uh, at the seminar. But he'll definitely be in Sydney. Uh, with samples and he'll be attending the day in Sydney uh, 100%. Excellent. Food for Fitness, Carlo has uh, supplying meals for Sydney, so we will feed everyone that comes along yep. on the day, which is really good, and Food for Fitness, uh, really good. Uh, I can vouch for that because I presented for Level Up uh, the other weekend, last couple of weekends, and um, food's very, very good. Mm-hmm. They've come on board, so really excited to have them on as well. Okay. That's everything we need to do in terms of that, Rawdon. If people would like to work with you yep. uh, personally. Yeah, I still do a bit of, uh, got some room for some, a couple of one-on-one PT. So, yeah. uh, you know, if you're foolish enough to come and uh, let me count reps for you, I can do that mm-hmm. and take your money. Uh, plus, obviously, do all the back-ended uh, nutrition, uh, supplementation, and training programs. Mm. So, yeah, a couple of spots for one-on-one PT out of the Lift Performance Center. But other than that, uh, physique prep, uh, competition prep, obviously, specifically. But physique prep in general, photo shoot prep, uh, yeah, contact me uh, the Dubois Method on Insta and Facey or uh, Rawdon Dubois, and you can hit me up, uh, harass me on uh, any of the social media platforms, and I'll get back to you and we'll work something out. Very, very good. Yourself? Look, you probably won't find me lurking on too many of the social media no. platforms. unless it's part of the seven minutes. You've got a minute a day, correct? I've got a minute a day to, mm. to sift through that. But uh, if you send an email through to tomhewitt.com.au, there's a, some sort of email on that website. Mm-hmm. There's some information there. You can get in contact with me. Uh, mentoring. For consulting, PT. mentoring, 
satellite coaching yeah I, I mean I do mentor sessions physique prep of uh, all that type of stuff as well yeah. if they're interested so yeah. give away all my secrets yeah. and all my stuff is geared around general population so gear yeah. so you're going to talk about gear for general population <laughs> there you go everyone Tommy is doing gear for general population very good controversial Tommy very controversial uh, alright let's go to Brian's let's hear some of this the uh, evil genius scintillating pre-seminar content mm. oh no no Reevaluate your life, asshole. You're fucking it up because you can't cheat biology. A thousand grams of carbohydrates a day, that's what I'm fucking doing because you can't cheat biology. The underlying structure of, of what a human is, you know, from the inside out, we, we have a skeleton. It's not important we go into, you know, like what is the difference between a bone cell and a, that's not super important, but. We are of a particular variety of species of, of, of creatures on the chart of, the, of life that is called chordates. We have a, a basic structure that is a head at the top, a cord, a spinal cord, which is the major nerve trunk, and then limbs. Yep. Okay. Okay. So we are chordates. With that concept of chordates comes also internal bone structure. Whereas, you know, uh, insects and some other things have external skeletons. Their bones are on the outside. Mm -hmm. All their living shit is on the inside. Mm -hmm. We're the other way around. Bones are inside, like the chicken wire with inside the concrete wall. Yes. Okay. So our structure is inside and our life is hanging on the structure rather than the other way around. Mm -hmm. that, yep. it, it's, it's a subtle point and I think everyone is pretty clear on that. But you need to know that that's the structure of things. And then because of that... It, it follows that chordate design. We have a central cord, that it, and that is both for movement articulation and, quite importantly, to protect those very delicate wires that we talked about. Yep. Okay. Then you have you know, ribs that also are there for structure and support, but then also to protect the delicate organs that yes. we kind of analogize to the cell that's where our respiration, our lungs, and our liver, and all that good shit, and heart, is behind our ribs for protection from the outside world mm -hmm. and for support, so there, you know, uh, resistance from compression and movement. Mm. Okay, then on top of these bones that articulate, you know, meaning articulation is a word, by the way, for joint, for the ability to move. We now have muscles, and muscles provide the locomotion to allow all of that clever shit to get to where the food is, get to where the girls are, get all the important <laughs> shit. Okay? And, 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 bro, and quite bro, I'm not being cavalier. In, in nature, that's basically the important shit. Being able to get out of the weather, get to the food, and get to the women. That <laughs> makes life. If you can do those things, life's going to continue. If you can't do one of those things, there's going to be a breakdown in the system. Mate, I'm down with all those things. It sounds good to me. Before you go into uh, the skeletal muscle, do you want to just quickly, you have smooth muscle, cardiac muscle, and, and uh, skeletal. Do you just want to just touch on those other two super, super quickly? And with, with I guess, in the context of skeletal is the voluntary run. The others we don't really control. Correct. Correct. Um, there are, you know, for instance, cardiac muscle is exactly what it sounds like. It's the muscle that your heart is made of. It is fairly specific. It's specialized. Uh, and as a matter of fact, that specialization is in that it is um, removed from the rest of the body. It is largely immune to 
the nerve stimuli. Uh, it's largely immune to these global systemic hormones we're talking about. Yep. It's very non-responsive to that stuff by design because if it was responsive to all that shit you would with every change of mood with every change of weather with every everything you're you're you know be gyrating into into oblivion hmm. so it's it's somewhat isolated or separated then you have things like a smooth muscle which is the muscle in your stomach uh diaphragm your intestines and it is People always say non-voluntary. That's actually a partial lie. Mm. It's autonomic, meaning that it runs on a pre-programmed arrangement. It's it's pre-programmed to do what it's supposed to do. But yet, you do have some control over it, like your diaphragm. You can take a breath, but if you forget to, you won't mm. die. Your body will remember. Yeah. So it's it's not completely involuntary, but it has a non-voluntary backbone or or you know. For instance, if you lose consciousness, you don't forget how to breathe. Yeah. You know, you don't forget how to digest food. So, if you you know something goes happens, you go into a coma, you stay alive theoretically. Yeah. But at the same time, you have the ability to control that shit with the proper cognizance. So there is a little bit of difference there. But again, with smooth muscle, the major difference is it is designed uh, for very low force, very very high resistance to fatigue. You, it yeah. would be very bad if you're tired that would be silly uh, uh, so your 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 smooth muscle and your cardiac muscle uh, have almost infinite capacity for work capacity uh, but at very low um, uh, loads very low force. So low intensity we're yeah. not going to do it. no type 2 b fibers in your uh, intestine <laughs> we can't uh, we can't hypertrophy them by <laughs> straining <laughs> i'm gonna get them thicker yeah then when we get to voluntary contractile muscle or skeletal muscle, as That's the good you stuff. guys down there always talk to it. Uh, I, I, when my education in North America, we always refer to it as voluntary contractile muscle rather than skeletal muscle. Um, I, I don't know why the differentiation, but there it is. Okay. Um, now you're talking about the muscle that you and I know and love. That's biceps and triceps and mm -hmm. you know quadriceps. Yeah. Yes, at, to your point, they are very... Uh, specialized muscle cells. Unlike other cells, most cells, skin cells, hair cells, etc., they're roughly round or ovoid in, in a general sense. Mm -hmm. Muscle cells are long and thin. Mm -hmm. The reason they are long and thin is because when we talked about that roundish cell pinching itself to locomote, it became obvious that length was the key factor. The cell was around, when it pinched, it became longer and the length was the thing responsible for the motion. Yeah. So muscle cells themselves emulated that. And as they grew longer and longer, it got easier and easier for them to what ultimately became, as Rodens will easily talk about, the sliding filament theory is the longer they got, the easier it was for them to cinch up yep. and shorten. Think about in a super, super generic concept of how muscle cells work. Think of uh, a, a muscle, just take your bicep mm -hmm. as a, think of it as bundles of rope with ropes, okay? The bicep is a giant braided up ship rope. Mm -hmm. But within that, if you cut that off and look at it, you're looking at a number of individual ropes. And even individual ropes, each rope is a thread woven into a twine. Yep. So each one of those is a component of muscles yep. all the way getting down to when we get to one basic fiber. That's a muscle cell. Yes. Yes. In, in a general Excellent. sense.
That was good. So you have cells woven together, that's a twine. Then you have a number of twines woven together, that's a bundle. And then you get enough bundles, and then you have a muscle. And each one of those things has a biological name. Bundle is one of them. You have bundle and sarcomere and motor unit, all the way getting down to filaments, which are essentially muscle cells. Uh, and co coincidentally, just a little point that isn't relevant relevant to this, but interesting. When you talk about a muscle, really, really small portion of it is actually the contractile bit. Most of a muscle is everything but these little tiny filaments that actually do the sliding. The muscle is not the contractile stuff. It's structural, blood supply, nervous supply, fuel stores, all sorts of things. Yeah. The actual contractile component is very, very small. You got the uh, the mitochondria, like you mentioned in there. They'd be uh, synonymous with muscle cells as well. And you've got the um, one thing that is particularly important here would be the ribosomes, where you mentioned that DNA, you know, the process information's from the DNA. Let's uh, that's pretty cool. I, I like the rope analogy. That was really really good. So we're down with the. So we know it's long and thin, not like a fried egg <laughs> so long and thin and it's um correct me if i'm wrong broads but there's lots of those little nucleus they're multinucleated so that that sort of differentiates them from other typical and cells absolutely and that's the interesting part and nature is so amazingly good at problem solving a round-ish cell literally only needs one or at most very few mitochondria and nucleus because if it's if the area is round, you're equidistance from the yes, edge at all times. Yes, yes, yes. So you have very much coverage. If you want to sit, if you want to see what's going on in a room, you sit in the middle, and yep. from the middle you can see everything you're doing. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you stay all the way at one end, guaranteed something's going to happen in that corner you can't see. Yes. Okay. So regular cells have this ovoid arrangement with maximal proximity to everything. Yes. So you need a minimum amount of shit to control your area because your areas are predefined. Mm, okay, yeah. Muscle cells, by def definition, went for that longer and longer scenario. And so what happens is, at a certain distance, you start to lose communication. Yeah. So it was necessary to introduce more nuclei, more mitochondria, hence that concept of myonuclear domain. Yeah. There needs to be a nucleus and mitochondria every so far. Yes that every part of that long, thin cell gets fair crack at the information, the energy, etc. Mm -hmm, okay. mm -hmm. Because of that density of myonuclei, that's the reason why muscle cells then become so plastic. And by the way, plastic is a sciencey word for changeable or dynamic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and that, uh, you, that myonuclear domain, um, and our listeners might be familiar with satellite cells and uh, this, this myonuclear addition. I know we're going sort of getting a little bit techie there, Tommy, but what I wanted to point out was... I liked how you explained that, that there, there has to be a certain number of these, these nuclei per unit of muscle fiber or muscle cell. And when we train, we, we cause adaptations and the cell, the muscle fibers, you know, those, those uh, filaments like you described, they can go longitudinally. So the, 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 the fiber or the muscle cell can get a little longer. That's typically in the early stages of training. But beyond that, for the rest, most of our listeners, they're going to go in parallel, Tommy, so that the, the, the muscle fibers or cells will thicken up. And then as it thickens up, that scenario that uh, Brods just spoke about, 
now there's not enough nuclei for a, a bigger f- a muscle cell or twine or, or, or fiber. So this, uh, the satellite cells that are part of that, that structure are these innate cells that donate themselves and then the, the muscle uh, fiber or cell fundamentally gets uh, these mononuclear additions. So uh, the fiber <coughs> will get more nuclei, more and more as it gets bigger and bigger. And that concept, correct me if I'm wrong, Brods, is basically muscle memory and why when we detrain 100%. for a while, we can get like it, the, the, the ability for that muscle cell or muscle fiber yep. to, to uh, grow again is, is greatly enhanced thereafter. Exactly. Think of it as a, a factory floor. If you have a factory and business is great, you upgrade, you add yes. new assembly lines, you yep. add new machinery, you add yep. new machinery. It's there. You've made that investment. It's yep. there. So now even if orders fall back and you have to shut down a wing or, okay, we're not going to run that line, we're not going to run that yep. line, that machinery is still there. So when orders go back up, it's very much easier to dust that equipment off and turn it on yeah. than it was to invest in it the first time. Mm, so cool. that's the concept of muscle memory is once you've invested in that infrastructure it's there now unless things go so long that the equipment begins to deteriorate which can happen and so the point is muscle memory doesn't have an infinite lifetime but it has a relative useful lifetime and i guess if you're a uh, particularly exciting factory owner and you wanted to invest a lot mm. of money in different machinery by any means possible then a there would always be, be murky. always be that capacity absolutely mm. 100% alright okay. so we're getting okay. starting to get a little bit of an idea of uh, muscle cells mm. and, and, and this uh, uh, when it grows we get m- you know, more nuclei per unit of nice fiber and, and the ability the infrastructure has improved the factory has been upgraded yep Pretty cool, and all this stuff I, I suppose we'll refer back to in um, uh, in these seminars, Brods. But that's a, a really good overview there of a, of a muscle cell and, and how it fundamentally functions. And just to wrap things up, why don't we just give them a quick? Okay, we train. Uh, there's a bit of damage to the muscle cell or that twine, Absolutely. and just want to talk about. We've spoken about this, but the inflammatory response, the cytokines, myokines come in, clean up, and then that uh, process to make new uh, muscle, uh, new muscle protein or new contractile protein uh, gets gets uh, the DNA says mm, let's upregulate. Do you want to just train and then, then those, those events just to wrap things up? And quite honestly, it doesn't even really require the concept of training. It, it's just the concept of life. Yeah. You you move, you have these muscles that are the purpose of them is locomotion. Literally, that is the purpose of muscles. We've usurped that purpose and made it locomotion of heavy <laughs> iron objects yes. ac- you know, across this range of motion. Yeah. But the reality is it's just locomotion. Okay, yep. so we have these cells designed specifically for the purpose of locomotion. If you use them, you are exposing them to an outside stress. You're exposing yes. them to force. Mm. You expose anything to force, there's damage. I mean, when I say anything, I mean anything. You drop an egg on the floor, you drop a fucking wrench on your foot, there's motion, there's gonna be damage, <laughs> period. It's a law of <laughs> physics. Yeah. So you have these muscle cells that are like ropes and um, c- kind of unlike ropes in the analogy part, they shrink up. If you kind of think of like if you, uh, put a plastic filament if you like hold plastic near a candle it does that really rapid contraction like shrivels away that's very much like what muscle fibers do so if you thought of them as like plastic ropes and you heat them and they shrink right up yeah okay that shrinking in and of itself can cause some minor damages we won't go into why but it's it's related to 
how the muscle actually contracts. There's like little hooks that actually yep. click into one another, almost like zippers, mm. if you will, and they kind of cinch against each other. Mm. And that the actual hooks kind of abrade each other as they shrink up. And then more importantly, so you, you lift an object mm. and these little, little hooks cinch up and you've got the thing lifted. When you lower it, that's actually when the larger amount of damage happens. Yeah. Because now it's a controlled release where it's, uh, you know, and like, it's like Velcro. Uh, exactly. It's 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 you know, unfurl a little bit, unfurl a little bit, but not enough to drop the thing. So it's it's this the uh, negative contraction, mm. the lowering mm. of a weight mm. is actually where the damage takes place. But it is it's super important how the damage gets there. The concept of abrading a surface, you know, anyone's got skin, you rub it together, it fucking gets hot and sore. Mm. Fall on the concrete, your skin scabs up. It's mm. pretty basic. Mm. So you've got this abraded surface. And you could even use the analogy, think of the back of your hand. You've fallen and you've scuffed up your hand. So just think of that as the now, instead of the surface of your hand, that's the surface of a muscle. That's what it looks like. Except that would actually continue all through the muscle. Hmm. So you've got this damaged protein. So the first thing that happens is, and something we'll talk about in a few minutes with the general adaptation syndrome. The first thing is alarm. The body will respond. Oh, this is this is negative. A bad thing has happened. I have been damaged. And the emergency crew comes in. Mm. You know, the firefighters, the paramedics. They come in, put out the fire, which is you know, you eliminate you know the 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 waste products from the actual exercise. Get rid mm. of that stuff. Get rid of the, the the blood and the tissue and you know the, the 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 stuff that's the goo that needs to be washed away from the accident scene. Mm. Then you survey what's left. Okay, now we have. You know, the car came in and it knocked over this telephone pole and these power lines and this, this. Experts in, they survey the situation. They say, all right, well, before we replace that telephone pole, we have to cut it off, tow it away, dig out the stump. Now we've got a hole. Now we can bring in a new telephone pole, put it in that hole, fix everything. Then we can connect the lines, turn the power back. Very similar scenario takes place with muscle. You have this damaged muscle. The first thing that happens is these enzymes. And again, we don't need to go into biochemistry. You could think of enzymes analogously to acids. They come in and burn off the damaged stuff, take away all the damaged bits. They burn everything clean. Then they wash away. Now you've got this clean surface, but literally smaller than before. You're trying to build muscle, and you've literally now removed muscle. Yep. So now you're in a situation where you have a clean slate in which to build on. Then there's all this complicated communication between, you know, androgen receptor and insulin receptor and nucleus. And then the nucleus will talk to something called ribosomes. Ribosomes are just little um, ticker machines that add amino acids together. And adding amino acids together equals proteins. Yep. So it's just it gets this these ribosomes get this message from the nucleus that yep. is build bicep contractile protein and then the message is okay one glycine then follow that with a, a glucine and then a uh, glycine and then a taurine and yep. so on so the ribosome collects this thing up and lo and behold at the end of that it's a strand of bicep contractile protein and then there's a complicated thing called protein folding and packaging you don't need to worry about that but the bottom line is this protein then basically moves into position like a crane would pick up a girder and move it into position and put it 
where it needs to be to finish the the road or the bridge or the roof or whatever and it clicks into place and then the power is turned on and now that's done and then it takes place and this is happening concurrently with all these different fibers all over the place stripping away the bed bringing in the message interpreting the message putting the constituents together and then putting the piece in place and so what happens is the body's goal and this is key and it's interesting and it's very misunderstood the body's goal is not to build a bigger bicep there's this illusion in people's minds that building muscle is is like it's your birthright it's inherent it's (laughs) the result of exercise it's actually not it's the result of your body trying to get back to where it was and not having a particularly accurate governor it's like you take this glass of coffee and you drink some oh my coffee's empty and then you run over and you put coffee in it but you have parkinson's and you overfill the cup a little bit (laughs) (laughs) that little bit of overfilling is the hypertrophy okay and then you drink some coffee and you fill it up again and each time but in analogy the cup keeps getting bigger so each time you could put a little more coffee in it, a little more coffee in it, a little more coffee in it. But it's not because your goal is to get a giant ass cup of coffee. It's because you don't have good control over stopping it right at the end of, okay, I'm exactly where I want to be. Stop. It's exactly where I want to be. What the fuck was I doing? Oh, yeah, stop. And then it's a little bit. It's the overrun. That's hypertrophy. It's literally just the overrun of this process every time. And, That's uh, how transient small yeah. and 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 is there i mean it all comes down to survival you know we're putting that heavy heavy load each time is there some sort of uh, process that the body is well you know if i make myself a little bigger then i can handle that and then we add a bit more load so it sort of offsets it's you know that scenario is it sort of like a survival thing integrated in there too that's an argument that people make but the reality is that's really just a consequence of the process it's not a goal of the process goal of the process biology page one day one you will learn this if you attend the seventh grade the purpose of biology is homeostasis get back to normal get back to baseline you're born with a certain program it's called genetic code Mm -hmm. and the goal is to get back to stasis get back to the least effort intensive state Your body does not have a desire to be oversized because oversized means you now need more energy, more effort, more sleep, more stuff. Your body wants the minimum effort state to achieve survival. That's the goal of science, of of nature. So we are by definition engaging in something that is largely counter natural. Even though I'm doing it without drugs, I'm natural. But you're engaging in something that would not take place in nature correct you're using clever nuances of nature to your own end yep Mm, that's a very thing that people fail to keep in mind so then you you, you would also say that it's uh maybe the yeah like it's an overcompensation and it's a result of the process like or to survive but it sounds like it the body might actually be trying to get one up on you and like okay well let's create a larger muscle because a larger muscle will be able to lift that load more efficiently and then i'll won't use as much energy to so it could be a bit of that going on as well making the 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 system more efficient at dealing with that heavy load well like i said it's probably more a consequence of the thing than it is the thing Mm. uh there you know there's a lot of times where you know, again, nature's had a lot of time. You know, talking earlier in the conversation about five billion years to work this shit out. It's worked out the best possible risk-reward ratio. 
Where is it best to invest that energy? Where is it best to nest those resources so that they're easier to retrieve at a later date? Yeah. That's the whole yeah. thing is where is it best? It's like people that are very good at managing money. They just have a good idea of where to put this money to keep it safe and possibly get it to make me some money. But let me come back and get it whenever I need it. That's a skill I fucking lack, but there are people that are just born with it. Yeah. Nature, its whole goal has been to figure that shit out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, okay. And um, and you could probably will chime in there and say that, uh, you know, some individuals due to genetic disposition, that point nine one one zero 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 one for the on that 99.9% the same, but that genetic variation might be the fact that they their body the that process of the ribosomes and folding protein that's just over enthusiastic and they get a lot more growth from the and the next person what? probably gets a little bit more on the money and and really you could argue while well, the individual that actually only built the same amount of muscle is probably from a uh, biological or an evolutionary standpoint is the more superior being because you know the exactly. other one is getting yeah. less waste less waste in the process yeah. they are able to return to stasis quicker with a lower investment of resources yeah okay yeah, yeah. You know, it's like the people that cry oh i have go. a slow i you know they people that bemoan like oh i have a slow metabolism <laughs> yeah it's very inconvenient in this day and age yes but if, if the lights went out you know <laughs> and the truck stopped bringing food yeah. those <laughs> people i love that broads so i'm gonna when i see old mate at the gym and he's jacked i'm gonna say you you you're an inferior uh genetically uh you're not gifted like me yeah. I, i'm gifted because i don't grow and I train, but I don't grow. So there you go. Superior. I would survive out in the wild. There you go, Tom. Awesome. All right. So we know that the muscle cell and the muscle system is sort of driving locomotion or yep. affecting locomotion. And that maybe the system behind that that's driving it would be okay. the electrical wiring, the Great. nervous yep. system. Yeah, this is, this is a good spot to talk about the other two major systems. Yes. You have... The endocrine system, which is the hormonal messaging system, which is global or, again, and I use that word for people that aren't science trained, it, it can be awkward. When I say global, I'm not referring to, you know, the globe with the <laughs> shit on it. I'm saying in a systemic or overall concept. It's global. It's everywhere, all around the, the thing. So endocrine system is largely your mass communication it's like smoke signals everybody could see it it's big in the sky okay the the pancreas the you know the testes the thyroid they just dump the shit into the blood and it goes everywhere muscles included for sure now when you're talking about for instance so most of your um your recovery, your systemic type things. Yep. Grow muscle everywhere, store fuel everywhere, that sort of thing. That's hormonal because it's global. Yep. When you're thinking about the volition, how do you make this muscle contract? How do you locomote in that direction? Mm. That's associated with the nervous system, mm. which in a very uh, unsophisticated creature, you know, multicellular or, or less even, um, that is just the wires. It's basically just the wires. The wire sends a message, mm. the thing twitches. Okay. In, as creatures got more and more sophisticated, that wiring system 
got more and more sophisticated. So now we have so many wires, we need a wire harness. Okay, well, that's a node. And that node got more and more sophisticated to the point where it had storage capacity. And then it got more and more sophisticated. And you can read about this stuff. You can read about the, the layers of the brain. You know, you have the uh, spinal cord, and then you have the, you know, the million brain, the reptile brain, the primate brain, right. ending in you know, the human brain brain and it's literally like that it's this layer of onions that hmm. are the culmination of all these wires at their junction point hmm. so it ends in you know cognizance it ends in the ability for honest to god volition where you have a thought hey i want to do a squad and then the <laughs> wires you know, go and tell your hips and quads and all the things what to do to perform that action so yeah. it's it, at that point it's driven by the nervous system, which is driven by volition. Solely and, by volition, or are there circumstances where it can... Well, go Golgi tendons and uh, yes. stretch reflex. Exactly. So how you, that depends on, again, how you come to define it. Mm. Um, th there's that... It's, it's pre-programmed. For instance, the stretch reflex is yeah. a pre-programmed, but it's still volitional in that... It's pre-programmed, there's no thought involved, but the programming exists, so as soon as the action happens, the volition is to respond according to programming. Yes. I find that particularly fascinating in a, a sports environment where you practice, train the nervous system to execute something, and in the flurry of a game, a ball can come your way or something can happen, and then magically you just happen to react and take the catch or execute the movement. Mm. Yep. Well, again, again, it gets to the situation where we, you know, we talked about how nerves are very specific and rapid like wires and hormones are very slow and systemic like you know, liquid in the, in the pool moving through the water. Mm. Um, the conductive speed of nerves is actually faster than the speed of thought. So we have a situation where we've developed through thought and volition, we've developed these patterns that can now respond faster than thought and volition. Yes. We have, you know, trained marksmen that don't shoot to civilians because they are so trained. They're they, they are they're literally their gun interprets if it's a good guy or a bad guy, not their brain. Yeah. It's, it's that yeah. it's that trained within them and it's it's fascinating subject one that i'm not nearly qualified to talk on but i'm aware of it and it's it's fucking amazing an unbelievable excellent and we i suppose we're referring to the nervous system there and we could get a little bit more uh break that down so central nervous and then peripheral out to the muscles yeah um we we certainly could uh, that's a topic uh i hate even talking about it because people really fucking butcher it Muscle heads talk about their, their central nervous system being damaged. Um, I, I literally have a chart in, right in front of me. I printed it just so that I wouldn't misspeak. Um, if you look up central nervous system, you are literally referring to your brain and spinal cord. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. I sincerely hope that your weight training never damages those. Because yes. that's and We have trauma units in hospitals specifically for people that have had you know, damage to their brain and spinal column. That's not really happening in the gym. What's happening in the gym is damage, or damage, and really damage is a bad word, but stress Fatigue. to your peripheral nervous system, which is the nerves leading away from your brain and spinal column. The nerves responsible for, say, controlling those you know, volitional contractile functions and what have you. 
Yeah, I mean yep. that that's the point I wanted to for you, for you to go uh, go into there just just briefly, and that that did it justice. The, the fact that you know I hear that all the time. It's like, and, and I used to say this as well. It's oh my my CNS is fried after that deadlift session. It's like, well, no, not really. That's just functioning. You know, seconds later, that nervous system can go again. You, however, your peripheral nervous system. Okay, there might be some fatigue there, and and the musculature around you know the body, uh, the muscles that are involved. There might be some fatigue in there, and that's actually what's compromising. Your ability to get in and do another deadlift the next day but the, yes. the cns is that's fine there's yeah. nothing wrong with your nervous right. system right damage to your cns is literally things like parkinson's mm. and those sorts of things it's it's you know it's really bad shit it's als <laughs> that sort of thing now peripheral nervous system and another thing that comes into that conversation and we should save this more for the actual you know vectors of but real quick another thing that comes into that is a big complicated thing, for instance, like a deadlift, is very stressful. And one of the responses to stress is a release of those global hormones, adrenaline, those sorts of things. So a lot of what people interpret as CNS fatigue, yeah, or sure. even some of them will be corrupt enough to say peripheral nervous fatigue, it might actually also be endocrine fatigue. Yeah, that makes yeah, a lot yeah. Of sense. Post, uh, I mean, we've all experienced that where we get a, a, a fright and uh, and our legs are like jelly, jelly yeah, afterwards. Yeah. It's, uh, that's that's it, exactly. Like, you yeah. dodge an accident in traffic, and for the rest of the day, you just you just feel horrible. You feel like yeah. you're very empty and tired, and uh, you yeah. can't explain drained. why. It's because drained. It, it's literally a fight or flight response. Your yeah. body released chemicals because it thought it was at the end of its days. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can do that in the gym to ourselves rather intentionally. And then we're surprised or confused that we don't really feel very peppy and energetic. Like, you know, running yeah. for your life, you know, metaphorically is, you know, not, not good. Okay. So <laughs> that's awesome. The peripheral system will certainly get into more on the day, yep. particularly when we talk about the vector of strength. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, mm. I'm getting excited for the seminar already. Rodney, Mate, just, I did notice that moisture. You are very excited after hearing all that. Sticking you're only in human. the underderps. Yeah, yeah. Only human. Now, uh, I think Rod's... I've heard him use some of these analogies in the past, and they're excellent. Yeah, but that was a cracker. That was really good. He's got some great ones in there. Uh, mm. The Well, we'll start with the messaging system. So mm. think of hormones as those chemical messaging systems. Yep. They're systemic. Mm-hmm. It's like putting dye into a... A, a solution. A, a puddle of water, and it goes everywhere to, mm-hmm. to spread that message. And then the nervous system is like the wiring system and so the message is electric and instantaneous instantaneous it's actually what he said there that the uh the conductive speed of the nervous system and the wiring faster than you faster than thought Mm. absolutely fascinating Uh, tom i can think of things pretty pretty quickly especially (laughs) if it's filthy things i'm like instantly (laughs) instantly if it's quicker than that that's bloody quick yeah yeah. well i mean in a certain essence they're hardwired broaden you know they're five billion five billion years of of primal if primal, primal filth. filth exactly <laughs> so. primal filth mate if we yeah. ever have a band i think we should primal call it that filth. primal filth i like mm. it now rodden you and abroad sort of went back and toe forth in the middle there he was talking about okay so we have muscle damage mm-hmm. uh, just by being alive or mm-hmm. imposed via training yep. then these enzymes come in and they're like cleaning acids yep. that mop up and then there's they, they, the, the, the power poles knocked out yeah they, they take it take it away that's right clean and, up the ground and then there's you know various signals from hormonal status and all this other kind of stuff 
yep. that plays into how that muscle growth factors repairs and mm. then it comes back to baseline or slightly above mm. and Brods was just saying that's a quirk of the system biology's goal is to return to homeostasis and you sort of said well Brods isn't it that the body is mm. a little smarter than that and it's thinking well, you know let's prepare even more for this load that keeps being imposed yeah. upon us and that's what it does and uh, yeah I yeah. thought I'd, I'd uh, try and sound really, like, really smart and say yeah yeah good point Brods but uh, well, I've been thinking because I'm a research scientist you and I are both research scientists you yes, know, yes. Years, years of clinical experience <laughs> yeah, clin- as well. Clinic, I'm a clinician. Yeah. I'm a clinician, Cam. You're a Wookiee, I'm a clinician. But anyway, so I thought I would, uh, you know, uh, treat the listeners to well, the sort of gold they'll get at the seminar, you know, <laughs> to really to really sell the seminar. But uh, yeah. he wasn't buying it. No, he goes, he no. It's yeah. just uh, back to baseline. And, and my thought is, you know, the body is, uh, is as he keeps pointing out, you can't, you can't cheat, you can't beat biology. Mm. So for me, it's sort of like it makes sense to if, if, if the stresses are going to be a certain amount, then the body will adapt to deal with those stresses. And that means more contractile protein to handle the, the load. So that for me is, is my uh, logic, which may actually be occurring. But I think Brods' point was it's still just it doesn't know that it, it, it's, it doesn't have a gauge that, OK, we've got to make it a little bit bigger because this load's coming he just feels it's a, a little bit clumsy in the repair and the hypertrophic response and um, mm. the end result is is the growth of uh, contractile protein but but it, it, I think we weren't necessarily uh, just the the reason it occurs I think um, like we both yes. agree it's occurring it's occurring that occurs yeah. why you could argue yeah it's to deal with the the stresses and then when those stresses dissipate then obviously atrophy occurs so it's mm. only a, a product of the environment much like everything else yes you know, fat loss, adaptation to, to reduce calories, increased energy expenditure. You know, it's, um, it sort of goes in line with it, everything else you see within the, the changes within the body. You know, yep. a constant stimulus and the body adapts to it. So, um, yeah, but he wasn't, uh, wasn't on board with that one. Yeah. But I'll kind of have words with him and, um, and we'll sure... You know, he'll probably convince me otherwise. Well, look, because it's, it's like you stress and distress. There's good stress and bad stress, Tom. Well, it's know? all good until it's bad. Yes, I think you said that too. So one of the things that I look forward to on the day... Rawdon will be, uh, you know, you having a ch- I mean, I'll be sort of just skulking away, hiding. And behind the, the leg press. Uh, behind the leg presses, mm. if I possibly can do so. Mm. But I wouldn't mind hearing your spin on a few of those aspects of hypertrophy mm. on the day. And I'd like to make a little space for you to have your tracking your two cents on yes. various things. I mean, there's quite a lot of stuff that I'm looking forward to getting out of the seminar. Certainly from uh, a business perspective, as we go through each of these vectors of performance, mm. uh, strength, mm muscle mass mm-hmm. each vector will go through training periodization yep. and nutrition, programming nutrition i'd like to get Brods's spin and come away with a couple of uh different ideas from a programming perspective from strength i'd like to see how he goes about manipulating the nervous system yes. for performance yes for hypertrophy i'd like to see what he does programming and periodization wise to avoid fatigue mm. and overtraining and how he plays with that because that's something that I know you've been playing with for a while yes. and I have been playing with quite a lot recently with my more advanced clients mm. is regulating rates of perceived exertion mm-hmm. over the phase of training to sort mm. of just get a bit more consistency Bang for the buck with how the programs are actually executed when I write it I have my idea of what yes. I want to happen but 
without assigning levels of exertion to the mm. workouts. It's hard for them to really extract my thoughts into their workouts. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I think Brods is good good with that. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think um, there's a couple of ways that, that I, with certainly with online clientele, if it's one-on-one, it's a, you can sort of gauge, almost set the precedent in that session once a week, twice a week, and then they can carry that in to their other sessions. So I think one-on-one, it it's sort of it, it's there anyway by the yeah. way we coach yeah. um, but online coaching when when you move into that world I know some of yours are satellite yes. or online and yes. um, that might be what we're referring to and for our listeners first thing I do is um, I program a little less uh, volume for week one and my programs will be anywhere from six to eight weeks I do succumb to eh, eight weeks is too long alright cool give you six weeks so mm. but either way it's uh, I have a, a, a dropper set so I, I, I calculate what I deem uh, working volume for this uh, for this phase yep. and I think volume uh, we know that volume and hypertrophy there's a dose response relationship the the you know the study that Dan Garner, we put him on the small floor. Yeah, he well, didn't actually read, but he, he was vaguely aware of it. I mean, that showed that more volume got a little more hypertrophy. So we sort of know that. So I think volume is a vector of hypertrophy yes. progression that we can manipulate from face to face up to a point. Uh, and then, you know, you, you, you into that realm of, like you said, uh, you know, dealing with uh, recovery and, and we hear Brods' spin on that. So I always pick like it might be uh, Peter Piper picked a pepper <laughs> for that one, but I might say it's 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 uh, between uh, twenty and thirty sets for this mesocycle meso yeah. soup. Yeah. And then uh, I basically drop a set for week one, and I add a set overreach them at week. If it was a six week program, it would be week five I overreach and deload it at the end of each phase. So if it was an eight week program, I would drop a set for week one, six or eight overreach extra set on everything beyond that 20 to 30 so 20 to 30 is what i'll call working volume yeah preloading volume is a set less maximum volume is a set more yep. and deloading is two sets less than working so working one set less for pre two yep. sets less for deload yep. and one set extra for maximum and that sort of overreaches them and if overreaching and pushing volume into that realm of of extensive muscle damage over a week contributes anything meaningful to hypertrophy it's sort of debatable whether uh, overreaching deliberately periods are are necessary but they might might be something to it so i include that in my miso soup um so uh that is how i uh, structure it and that first week in the pro preloading week i actually because there's a little less volume and i actually drop intensities down on preloading and deloading so not your working volume intensity intensity i'm talking about percentage of one rm not effort intensity you're going reps in reserve or yes. reps from failure that's different that's more in line with your rpe type, type thing you're talking about yes so in that first week i get videos of everything so they record just a first set of because they got less volume in that first week and i record it and then i can actually critique their technique so that's one way that i i sort of make sure that at least their movement patterns and range of motion uh, technique are all influential on hypertrophy maximum range of motion obviously with, within their biomechanics mm. and that's one way to rather than sending them the program and hoping that they're they will do it or sending them videos it's like this is how i want you to do it mm. still don't know they're doing it like that so i think if you do get the videos and they load it's all done through dropbox i mean you could uh, google docs whatever you use but they load it all into dropbox i review it and i send them basically review a1 this exercise setup and technique was good you know, eight uh, B1. Uh, this exercise technique and setup was good, but yeah. I recommend changing your grip width to a little bit wider. Yeah. That way, you're going to do blah 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 blah. You know, C D, yep. and I go through and give them review. You know, pat them on the back. Yep. All in all, pretty good. Make these changes. If they don't induce pain or discomfort, use them, and if they feel better, use them. If not, revert mm-hmm. back to what you're doing. So I think that's a way that you can, uh, I guess, 
ensure or ensure <laughs> the um, the program is because I 100% agree, and that was a sort of a conniption I had probably about 12 months ago, where it's like I'm designing these programs, and not all of them are getting great results. Why? What am I missing? So the videos are a big thing, and then, like you said, prescribing or recommending a psychological RPE, I think, uh, is advantageous. But RPE is a bit sort of dubious. What's your, you know, ten, and what's my ten? It's, mm. it's so I have that, and I call it a psychological RPE. I think yep. we've discussed this, and uh, Andrew, Andrew Triana, Triana. Had, had really yep. good, you know, go primal and and you know, go basic, uh, go extra on this uh, uh, week. But so I have a psycholo- psychological RPE with distinct. Uh, numbers for different rep brackets. So generally I'll have uh, undulating intensities over the week. I'll have 6 to 8s, 10 to 12s, and and 14 to 20s, and that'll be my standard rep schemes. Mm -hmm. And then with each, you'll have a psychological RPE progressing up the the higher rep work where we've got to get a little bit of mongrel. We've got to have a high psychological RPE. We're going to push a little harder. It's much harder to go closer to the point of failure than it is to not to. So the psychological IP would go out o- up over the course of the week and be close to 9 to 10 Yep. for the end of the week when we're doing 14 to 20. Effort uh, intensity. So not training load intensity. Not load not intensity. Not the weight on the bar. Not load this intensity. Is the effort, effort you're intensity. putting into the workout. Yep. So reps in reserve is, is, is how I describe this, RIR yep. or, or uh, reps from failure, you, you, you can call it as well. Yep. That also gets closer to zero. Yep. So it's three to four for my six to eights, it's two to three for my 10 to 12s, and it's one to two for my high rep work. Basically, yep. they need to be one rep away from failure, failure and get that full, yep. full muscle fiber recruitment, yep. and they get a robust uh, hypertrophy benefits of both. But that's basically how, um, with what you said with psychological RPE, incorporate that with an mm. allocated reps in reserve. And, and, um, and then that's how I structure it, like distinctively. They know whenever they're doing six to eights, it's always three to four reps in reserve. They don't go near failure. Yep. Whenever they're doing the fourteen to twenties, they know they're going, you know, one to two reps from failure. They've got to pretty much, you know, hit that failure, uh, or, or one rep short of it. So, the, every every miso soup that I send out, the exercise sequencing and, and exercise will be different, but the the infrastructure sure. will be the same. Yes, so once yes, they yes. know the method, yes. they know what to do. Yep. But I think it pays dividends. And I think since doing that, Tommy, that the the, consist- the the return on investment is far better, like the, 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 the progression. Then I also, uh, the final point that I'll make is part of the review that I, so they're online, I don't see them. I see mm. them for check-ins if they're local, if they're, if they're interstate or international, I don't. But I review their update, and part of the review of the update is a document that they fill out with progress picks. I review that. But then I also go into their Dropbox folder and actually look at their performance their in session, look yeah. at the numbers and make sure they're coming up. If they're not, I gently remind them, you know, mm. you need to be adding progressive overload. Mm. So that is, I think, when you start dotting I's and crossing T's, so you've got the, the allocated RPE, the reps in reserve, they know what to do when in session. Then on top of that, you check the form and technique. It's good. You sign off on that, maintain that throughout this miso soup. And then you actually then go into each week making sure the progression, you'll, you will see it drop off a little bit towards the end. You might see reps drop off. Um, but the, doing those things, I, I, I get a, a far better, more consistent stimulus. Yes. Then it's a matter of matching the nutrition and, yep. and, and sleep and everything else to make sure you maximize hypertrophy. Very good. Very good. For me, because it's a different demographic that I'm working with, Absolutely. Um, what, what I'm trying to do is, for those individuals, general population, but they have mm-hmm. been training for years, yep. they've come to this place where their work capacity exceeds what they can recover from. Yep. And so in the context of 
you know, uh, my client Lenny, who's opening up a new gym and doing something, yes. or Annalie, yep. who's flying away here to Singapore and to work and then do a photo shoot here and blah, 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 blah. You can easily burn them out. Yes. And they do burn out, chasing mm-hmm. numbers. Mm-hmm. And so putting the meso soup together in a way where we can isolate the week where we're, we're going to redline nine out of 10 mm. and build to that has become very important in managing their fatigue overall. And when they know that week's coming up, they start to put the pieces together lifestyle wise in the lead up to that, knowing that that's going to be a big week of training. And it's interesting um, because the, the, it's sort of known and uh, it's one of the things that I actually want to talk to, like Broads reckons it's because there's just more fuel to cater for the what you've done in the gym when you're not doing as much training volume but it seems to be the case where maintenance of muscle mass is you could pretty much cut half your volume yes. and you can maintain it but yes. if you want to gain muscle well then you got to double your volume and you get like a you know, 100 grams after a year of, of you know yeah. 50 sets per body part it's yes. like great I've got 100 grams of muscle I'll drop down to 25 sets and then I, I'm 100 Just grams less yeah. and I, I don't really like Bod's you know, says it's because the, the processes that you're initiating through training have more than enough uh, nutrition and nutrients to uh, support less growth because you're not pushing the envelope because you're not pushing the extremities of, mm. of what the body's capable of. It requires much less energy. That was his sort of, if I recall correctly, his spin on things, right. which I, that doesn't for me give me a quantifiable, like I just don't, why does it, does it require like, legitimately half the volume and you probably yes. notice this when you do a you back off and you can't train as much as you don't wither away to nothing as yeah, long as no. you're doing something as long as you're doing something yeah now unless over time doing that maybe for the short term that works yeah but then maybe over time over time the body yeah but it is very interesting it's something that we can I'm sure broads will explore on the day because yeah. from a sports performance perspective when you're working with an athlete in season it's mm. comforting to know that if you've done good work in the off season you've built some strength and some muscle absolutely. mass absolutely that you can reduce volume that they have to do in the gym so they've yeah. got time to actually train skills and sports specifically yep. and still maintain a level of, of muscle mass strength and performance so yeah and, and i think that's what we covered where we, where we go above and beyond what you actually need and then when you go back to that maintenance level you got yes. more than enough to take you into the event so yeah, yeah i think we're really, really looking looking forward to exploring absolutely. some of these uh concepts and conversations in greater detail now to get tickets to that uh, EvilGeniusWorldwide.com. We're in Melbourne Friday, the fifteenth of March. Yep. Sydney, Ooh. the twenty-second of March. Top, top, Tommy. Get on there and get, uh, get those tickets. Early bird, Evil birds. Fifty. Evil Fifty. Yeah, all capitals. Tom Hewitt.com.au. Uh, just social media. This is a frenzy. Hop on board. Shut the door. Shut the door, Tom. We're out of here. <laughs>